It is good to see each and every single one of you, as Taffy said, if you're visiting us for the very first time. We are just so glad uh, you're here, and uh, we hope that you feel at home, whether this is your first time or second time, third time, whatever, and uh, a part of our growing family. Amen. So if you have a Bible with you, turn it to Exodus chapter 3, and we will get there in just a moment, Exodus chapter 3. But as you turn there this morning, I want to ask you a, a question, and it's a a pretty simple question. It's simply this. Do you remember the first time or, or maybe the last time that you truly desired something? Do you remember that time when you truly desired something? It may be when you fell in love. It may be that qualification um, that you were so desperate to achieve. It may uh, have been for some, if you cast your mind back, that first car that you bought. It may have been that holiday that you were desperate to go on as an individual, as a family. And as you think on those things this morning, when you think about what it was that you were so desperate to, to have in your life, another question I want to ask you is, do you remember what you were willing to do in order to get that thing? So for some of you, you may cast your mind back, if it's relevant, to the countless hours that you spent doing your dissertation. That wasn't me, but for some of you, you remember those sleepless nights, those, those, di- those hours and hours doing your dissertation in order to achieve that qualification that you were so desperate to have. You may remember saving up for that first car or saving up and going without in order to purchase whatever it was that you uh, wanted. You may remember whatever you were willing to do in order for that first love or that true love. I've shared before uh, some of the things that I did in order to convince Kirsty that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me and that that would be a good idea. I've shared before that I even joined in our, our old church at the time. I was barely saved, but I joined uh, the crash team. Now, little secret, I hated kids at the time. Now, you'll be glad to know as a dad that I actually like kids now and things, but at the time, but I wanted what I was pursuing, my, my, my future wife, and um, she finally agreed, and uh, it wasn't an arranged marriage. She's, she's fully on board with this, just to clarify. But before I dig any further, having had Pastor Stu last week, let's continue this morning. But I'm asking you those questions because last week, Pastor Stu introduced a theme that we're focusing in on over January, and that theme was encounter. And he spoke about Jacob and how Jacob wrestled with God and wouldn't let go of God until he received that blessing that he was so desperate to receive from God. Because Jacob didn't just want to know about God anymore, as we were saying a moment ago. He wanted to know God for himself. And Pastor Stu began this to introduce this thought that knowing God, encountering God, is what will change your life and keep changing your life for the better as the years unfold. Now here's the great news, that encountering Jesus and encountering a living God is not a one-time offer. It's not a one-time event that you experience at the moment of salvation, but there's a continual offer for us to encounter on a daily basis a living God. And yet a big question that may have surfaced in your mind and your thinking last week as Pastor Stu spoke on those things, what was this question of, of actually why? Why should I desire an encounter with God? Why do I actually need an encounter with God? I, I kind of like coming along to church. Um, family church is nice. I like the people there. I like the songs. I like the coffee. I like sometimes the word challenges me or makes me think. I like all of that, but do I really need to go any further than that? 
Do I really need more? Why do I need to encounter this God? My response to you would be, why would you not want more? Why would you settle for any less than God and what he has for you? But I don't just want to throw that out as a blanket statement. I want us to look at another uh, account of a God encounter so that we can continue to color in this answer to the question, why should we desire to encounter a living God? So this is where Exodus chapter 3 comes in. Let's just turn there. We're going to begin at verse 1 and read this chunk of scripture. So it says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of a bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to the people of, of Israel. I've lost my place. To Pharaoh. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask him, what is his name? Then what should I say to them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Verse 16, now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I have seen how the Egyptians have treated you. I have promised to rescue you from oppression in Egypt. I will lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. So here's this moment where Moses encounters God. And, and I want you to notice this morning that he wasn't in a church service. And I know that church hadn't been created then. I know that the temple hadn't been built. So I know all of that. But here's the point that I'm trying to make to you. That if you have an open heart, 
you can encounter God anywhere at any given moment of any given day. Here he was just mucking out and, and tending to the sheep and leading his sheep and he encounters a living God in a moment that maybe he didn't expect it. Listen, the truth is this, that we thank God for the moments of encounter that we have corporately here on a Sunday morning. But you can encounter God at any given moment of any given day. You can be doing the washing up and encounter God. I'll tell you what, it will transform your understanding of washing up. It will make it a whole lot more exciting. You can encounter God when you're mowing the lawn, stick some earbuds in and, and with some worship music. You can encounter God at any given moment, whatever you are doing. So I want to encourage you as we talk about encounter, stop, if, if you're doing this, stop boxing God into a Sunday morning where I'm going to encounter God because I'm meeting with other believers. Yes, we do, but Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, you can encounter a living God. And here's what happens when Moses encounters God. He discovers who God really is. So you can come to church week in, week out, listen to other people talk about God, go to a connect group and hear other people's testimonies. But in this moment of encounter, he discovers who God really is. God stops being a theory. God stops being a lyric on a worship song. God stops being a, a religious object. And suddenly Moses isn't living off secondary revelation anymore. Because God suddenly isn't just the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is Moses' God. Amen? Now, thank God if, if you had parents who raised you in the house of God. Thank God if you had grandparents who were praying people. But do you know what? You cannot live off their revelation of who Jesus is. You can be inspired by them, but you need a revelation of who Jesus is for yourself. And so Moses discovers who God is. But he also begins to discover who he is. Because listen, when you understand who the living God is, that's when you begin to understand who you truly are. Other people can try and tell you, your employment can try and tell you, your salary, your social media, all these things can try and tell you who you are. But it's only when you encounter a living God and understand who he is that you begin to understand who you are. Remember that moment where Simon Peter is in that crowd of people, the disciples, where Jesus says, okay, who do people say I am? And he steps up and he says, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. In that moment, a place of encounter where suddenly Jesus says, you're right. Now that you understand who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. When we have a moment of encounter where we understand who the living God truly is, but he's not just this random being, he is a living God, alive and powerful who created you. In that moment, you begin to understand who you truly are as well. And so Moses tries to say, well, who am I to be used by you? Moses in the next chapter begins to talk about his speech impediment. I can't speak clearly. I can't do this. And God says, I will be with you. And in this moment and this ongoing moment, God begins to deal with his identity issues. God also sets Moses free from his past. You see, the very reason that Moses was in the wilderness tending sheep was because of what he'd done in his past. He'd murdered somebody. People had seen it, and so he runs. 
and he runs to this place of wilderness. He runs to this place of obscurity. What is he doing? He's running from his past. He's hiding from his mistakes. He's hiding from his shame. He's trying to avoid all of that stuff. And God says in this moment of encounter, I'm going to restore every single bit of brokenness in your life to a place where you can actually return with confidence to those mistakes, to those things that caught you out. You can return there as a new person because of this encounter with me. He deals with his past. He deals with the areas of brokenness. He gives him a purpose through this encounter as God says, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. All of that from one encounter that begins to be an unfolding and ongoing encounter. Now think about this for a moment. If I had met you at the front door, or somebody that you know met you at the front door, or smiling Brenda, Where, where's Brenda? She's around us. Smiling Brenda, who was at the front door, who hopefully was smiling this morning. If she wasn't, come and speak to us, and we'll have a word. But imagine if a person at the front door said, can I just have a quick word? I just want to chat to you about something. Do you know, um, today, uh, we're, we're doing this offer, we're doing this proposal, where today you can come in, and every single area of your life that is brokenness can be restored. Every past mistake, every bit of shame can be covered and made new. You can discover who you really are. You can know that you have a purpose. Do, do, do you want that? I would hope that your response wouldn't be that, you know, you, you bite your fingers, look at your fingers and say, well, I actually really only come here for the biscuits. I would hope <laughs> that you would actually desire more. Do you know the truth is everything that I've just said about is available to you today through a living encounter with a living God where you can understand as I said that God is not some historical figure. God is not a religious object. God is not a theoretical concept. He's a living God. Do we believe that this morning? Who made you and fashioned you and created you for a love relationship with him. He doesn't want anything from you other than to love you and to be in relationship with you. All those things are available to you. But do you know what so often prevents us from receiving all that God has for us? And this is what I want to look and focus in on today. Here's, here's what leaves us in a place of, I guess I would say, settling for I know, biscuits instead of breakthrough. Here's why, why we end up in that position. Because of this word called passivity. So often in the heart of believers, there's a desire to know everything of God. There's a desire to encounter a living God. But there's this thing that rears its ugly head called passivity. What is passivity? It's this characteristic of someone who holds back. It's this slowness to anger. It's this, it's this lethargy and, and a great picture or description of passivity which the Bible actually speaks of it is this picture of a sloth. How many of you have ever seen a sloth in action? You may have seen a pictures of whatever. In, in between Christmas and New Year, Kirsty and I went to uh, Longleat with a family and we went, we went into this building where the sloths are and normally probably nine times out of ten you go in there and they're fast asleep because they spend most of their time just sleeping. But we just happened to catch it a moment where we walked in and the sloth started to move. 
I say started to move. It was painful. It was so slow. And you had all these people looking around. And, and they'd purposely put, their, put its food miles away from where it was. There was two in this room. And you watched as all these people. I wonder if sloths actually know what's going on. It's like, let, let's just milk this moment as all these humans of edge with their smartphones and cameras staring at me just having my breakfast this morning. There's this moment. And the sloth, everything about the sloth was painful. Everything about that sloth was so slow. I mean, if you've got teenagers, you think they're slow getting out of bed on a Saturday morning. You wait till you watch a sloth going to have its breath. Everything was labored. Everything was apathetic. Everything was slow about the sloth. And sometimes, if we were to be honest, if there was a word that could sum up where we are at with our relationship with God right now, the situation would be summed up by this word, passivity. We love God, but we're passive about God. But truly encountering God requires us to overcome passivity. It requires us to go after God with passion. Because remember what Pastor Sue said last week, God is wanting to be found by you. God is wanting to have that connection with you. As Pastor Stu said last week, the Bible talks about him hiding, but not hiding to not be found, but hiding to, to create that desire within you. Listen to these verses, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. God says this to the people of Israel, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with, what is, what's that word? All. With all your heart. Not, not with some of your heart, not if you can slightly be bothered. You will find me. Other translations say, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That doesn't speak of passivity. That speaks of pursuit. Hebrews 11, verse 6 in the Amplified. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. Now listen to this. And that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek after him. Again, this thought of being wholehearted in our pursuit of God. So if we want to encounter God in a way that is life-changing, we've got to overcome passivity. Think of the people that Pastor Stu spoke about last week. Think about their encounters and what it would have looked like if they'd allowed passivity to rule the day. Think about Jacob where he wrestled with God and said, I'm not going to let you go until I receive my blessing. What if he did it for a little bit and thought, you know what, I'm a bit tired. I can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered with this. Would he have missed out on the blessing that God had for him? What if Zacchaeus, that moment where we talked about Zacchaeus, who climbed up the tree in order to see Jesus, and he was positioned in a place of encounter where Jesus saw him and said, I want to spend some time with you. And as a result, his life was radically transformed. What if he practically looked at that tree and thought, I don't know if I can be bothered. I'm not very good with heights. It's been raining a lot recently. It might be slippery. I don't know. It's a lot of effort to climb that tree. What would he have missed out on? What about Bartimaeus? What about if, if Bartimaeus, we, we talked about the fact that he got his healing, he got his breakthrough of being able to physically see where he was blind and Jesus touched his eyes and he was, he was in this place of being able to physically see again. But before that, the Bible talks about this moment where he raises his voice knowing that Jesus is passing by and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what happens in that moment is a crowd tell him, shut up. Pipe down, you're making the scene, you're, you're causing drama in this moment. What if Bartimaeus had said, oh, I'm dreadfully sorry. 
Oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll be a little bit quiet. But he said, he, the Bible says he shouted all the more. There was something within him of desperation and overcoming passivity. But he said, no, 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 if you tell me to be quiet, I'm going to raise my voice even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he received in that moment his healing. What if he had allowed religion to pipe him down? What if it allowed religion to quieten him down? What about the woman with the issue of blood that we spoke of last week, where she reached forward and pushed through the crowd and, and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and got her breakthrough that she'd been believing for and waiting for for year upon year upon year? What if she'd thought, well, do you know what? If I get caught here, this could be dangerous. Do you know, the, the law says I shouldn't even be here. What, what if they see me? What if Jesus isn't happy with me? What if she'd allowed passivity to cause her to just hide in the background? What if maybe she would have missed out on everything that God had for her? What if? Let me ask you this morning. What miracle what breakthrough, what revelation, what change, what understanding could lie just the other side of you overcoming passivity? Now, I don't know, but I do know I want to find out in my own life. How about you? I want to find out what is the other side of passivity and what God has for me. And so that's one of the big reasons why this coming week, you would have seen it probably mentioned in emails, and we mentioned it last week. This coming week, we are encouraging you to get involved with this church fast over the next seven days. Because listen, passivity lives in the flesh. Passivity lives in the flesh and the soul. The spirit is never passive. That spirit, if it's been made alive to Jesus Christ again through faith in him, that spirit part of who you are is never passive. That spirit always is wanting to worship God, always is wanting to discover more of who he is through his word, always is wanting an encounter with him. But it's the flesh, right? It's the, it's the soul. Oh, it's raining out there on the window. The duvet, so I don't know that I can be bothered to get up and read my Bible or worship. Oh, I'm not sure I can be bothered to, to do this or do that. Oh, I'm, I'm midway through this series, God. God, if you can just wait until the end of this series on iPlayer or Netflix, and then I will encounter you. What, what do you reckon God thinks when we're in that moment? And we may not verbalize it, but that's essentially what we're saying in the soul of who we are. God, I, I really want you. And we come on a Sunday morning and say, God, I desire more of you. I want you. Wednesday evening. Yeah, but this is really good on Netflix. So um, maybe on Thursday evening, God, I'll, I'll encounter you then. And we allow passivity to rule. And, and what fasting does is it helps us position ourselves to encounter God by overcoming passivity in the flesh of who we are. So ahead of this week, here's what I want to do just for a brief moment. I didn't want to just advertise a church fast and have it on, on emails and just leave it like that. We wanted to just for a moment just briefly teach on this fast to hopefully inspire you in this fast and to help you with this fast. Whether this is the very first time that you're fasting, maybe you're a new follower of Jesus Christ and you're hearing us talking about this fast, or maybe you've fasted many times over many years. But we want to all be positioned in a place to encounter God this week, right? Because let, let me just clarify, that is what this fast is about, okay? Just in case you're wondering, this fast isn't about... I don't know, overcoming the excesses of, of Christmas and getting rid of those things. You can just go on a diet if that's all you want to do. There's something different about fasting. It's not about, do you know what, making God love us more or any of that junk because there's nothing that we can do that would make God love us more. It's not about that. It's about positioning ourselves for encounters by defeating passivity 
and desiring God more than earthly things. It's about quietening the soul. It's about reducing the noise of this world. Have you noticed this world is so noisy? When we fast, it reduces the noise of the world around us so that we can hear God. And it's about making space. Because as we talk about fasting, it's not just fasting. We're, we're, we're really talking about prayer and fasting. We're talking about praying. And, and when you fast, it gives room and time for prayer. It grows that desire for prayer. If you've ever fasted, you know that it grows that desire within you for prayer. And it releases God's supernatural power in prayer. Now, something worth saying at this point, on a practical note, is that as we talk about fasting, it doesn't have to necessarily 100% orbit or be based upon food. The Bible does recognize fasting food as a recognized way of releasing God's power. But we know that for, for some people, you're listening to me, and you know that you can't fast because of certain health conditions or situations, and you know it would be detrimental to you. So if you're unsure, come and speak to us. Come and speak to your Connect Group leader. Pray. And ask the Holy Spirit, God, what is it that you are wanting me to remove from my life in order to seek you in a greater way? Some people may choose to fast TV, to fast social media. And for some of you, let's be real, you may say, actually, do you know what? If I was to be truly honest, I can cope without a week of this or that food. But you mess with my Netflix account, that's going to hurt me more than food. Come on, let's be real. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm fasting meat for the week. You're vegetarian. That's not a fast. That's cheating. But if I said, we're going to disable your Facebook account for a week. No, no, please. Where's I'm going to be all right. What is it that you need to fast that you feel leave your life in order that you make room for what God wants to do this week? So pray about what is right for you. Some people, when it comes to food stuff, they, they do a full fast. Some people do a Daniel fast with cutting out certain foods. The main thing isn't actually about what you're cutting out. It's about who you're pursuing over this coming week. And I just think sometimes the way fasting has been taught in the past, it's been the focal point has been wrong because it's all been about what you're losing out on. Listen, God sees the intentions and the desires of your heart. It's less about what you're removing from your life and actually more about what you're adding to your life over that season. Now, Jesus shared some important words on this when it comes to fasting. Matthew chapter 6. Let's just head there. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. It says this. And when you fast. Now, just pause there even after just a few words because that in itself is an important thing. Jesus doesn't say, and if you fast. He says, when you fast. So to me, there was an expectation from Jesus, not out of obligation, but out of revelation, that his followers would be people who fast. Earlier in the chapter, he talks about, and when you give, and when you pray. These are things that Jesus naturally assumed that his followers would do. Again, not out of obligation or legalism, but out of desire. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Okay, let's just pause there again for a moment. Jesus talks about hypocrites. In this moment, he's talking about Pharisees. And if you don't know who the Pharisees were, they were this um, religious sect within the religion of Judaism. And they were, they were not fun to be around. Okay, if there was a, a killjoy to ruin a party, it would be a Pharisee in that moment. That's why we sometimes say, oh, they're like a Pharisee. They, they kill any joy in the place. They were all about rules and regulations, and you can do this and you can't do that. And they added all these man-made laws onto the law of God. 
and they put all these things, which was a burden that people couldn't handle, they put all these things onto people, and when they failed, they looked down upon them. But Jesus often actually said, do you know what, they're massive hypocrites because they put all this stuff upon others but don't do it themselves. Now these Pharisees would fast twice every single week. On a Monday and on a Thursday, they would fast every single week. But Jesus says, you know what, they're fasting only to look like holy and good followers. Their heart's not actually in it. They're, they're fasting in order to be seen by man. And here's what he says, don't be like them. Don't be self-righteous where you try to make yourself right with God by your performance, your achievement, or your behavior. Don't be like them. So this week, I want to encourage you, don't make this fast about you. Okay? That's what Jesus would say to you today. Because let, let's be real for a moment. We are not impressing God with this fast. Sometimes you talk to people and they're fasting. It's like they're impressing God. It's not like this week God's going to say, oh, look at... Barry, we don't have anyone called Barry. Can I pick on the name Barry? Okay. I don't want to, you know, then we get emails and I've offended Barry again. Okay. So when we fast, God's not looking down and, and heaven's not having this audience where we're like, look at Barry. He's not eating these Weetabix for three days. Wow. I mean, I created solar systems and galaxies and put the stars into space and gave each of them a name. But Barry hasn't eaten his Weetabix. I mean, that's outstanding. We're not impressing heaven. Get over ourselves if we think that God's like looking down thinking, that's amazing what they're doing. We're not impressing heaven in this moment. Neither are we earning our salvation. Now again, that may seem an obvious thing to say, but it's really important for some that maybe you don't understand this. Your salvation is not earned by what you do. Not by works that anybody can boast. It's all about Jesus. But neither, and this is important because I believe many of us would say, yeah, I know I'm not earning my salvation, but you are not earning answers to prayer this week. God cannot be blackmailed to answer prayers by human behavior. It's so important that we, otherwise you're going to go into this week with a wrong mindset. God cannot be blackmailed into answering prayer by your human behavior. God wants to answer prayer. Do we believe that this morning? God wants to answer prayer and he answers through his grace. Fasting often is about preparing ourselves for God's answer rather than actually trying to earn God's answer. Jesus continues, verse 17. Helen, can you come up? We're going to go into a time of just ministry, I believe, at the end. It's verse 17. It says, But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father who knows what you do in private. Other translations say, who know what you do in secret. Now, I was talking to my Connect group about fasting, and I made this point. It's a little bit hard... <laughs> to fast in secret when we've advertised it and everybody knows what we're doing, okay? So, so we understand, everybody knows we're fasting together, we get that. But, but listen to me, the, the, your fast isn't disqualified because somebody notices you miss lunch, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying in this moment. Because you can fast with other people, you can do a corporate fast, and there's a lot of fasting in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, where they called a group of people to fast together. You can do that and still do it in a way not to be seen by men. Okay, so this week, across, like people are aware, in your connect group, if they're all fasting together, people are aware that we are in this time of fasting, but you still don't have to make a song and dance about it. Okay, when you meet people from church this week, you don't, 
you, you hungry? Yeah, it must be all that fasting we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Or when you're at work this week and, you know, so, oh, you're not having lunch? No, no. My church are fasting. We're, we're fasting. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so holy. I'm fasting. You don't have to make this fast. In fact, don't make this fast about yourself because Jesus says when you do that, your reward will be done and gone with we're fasting together, but we're fasting for the audience of one, amen? We're not fasting for the attention of others. And Jesus entered with this, and this is the bit that I really believe God is going to speak into our lives this week. Here's the outcome. When you position yourselves and you overcome passivity, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now this week I thought, God, if you want to reward me, what, what is that reward? That word reward in the original language has got a number of different meanings. Here's, here's two of them. To restore. To restore. I love that. Another one is to give things that were promised under oath. Isn't that wonderful? That God says when you position your heart to fast, not to be seen by others, but to overcome passivity so that you will encounter God. Here's two things that I'm believing for this week. This week I'm believing God is going to restore areas of brokenness in your life. Not because you twisted his arm by giving up your lunch on Thursday. It's not about that. It's about overcoming passivity for that encounter. And in that encounter, I believe that God is going to bring huge restoration to areas in your life that seem so broken right now. But there's going to be things. Get ready for them. Have some anticipation and faith in your life going into this week. For there's going to be phone calls that happen or answers to prayer. Come on, let's have faith as we step into this week. But we're not just doing a religious activity. Far from it. We are walking with expectation of all that God's going to do. God is going to restore certain things this week. And here's the other part. He's going to give things that were promised under oath. He's going to fulfill promises that he's made in his word to you this coming week as we have this moment of encounter. This week, you can encounter God. Just like Moses just like Bartimaeus, just like Zacchaeus, all these people will be spoken about in a way that is life-changing and in a way that is life-defining. So this week, I want to encourage you. Just seven days, we're going to have a feast next Sunday afternoon with our family lunch. But I want to encourage you, join our church fast. Now, listen to me, you don't have to. You don't have to. Nobody's going to be taking a register at the door yet. Smiling Brenda's going to be at the door next week. Just a quick question. Did you fast? No. Get out. Come back in February. God sees the intention of your heart. You may be brand new to it. You're like, what on earth is this fasting? Of course you're welcome to join. But nobody is obligated to fast. Otherwise we're doing this completely out of the wrong heart and the wrong motives. But for those who do want to join in with this fast, here's what I want to ask you to do. Every morning, not out of this religious obligation, not out of taking a, taking a list, but every morning I want you to pray this very simple prayer. God, I want an encounter with you. Just pray about it. You don't have to pray that prayer for you know five hours before you go to work in the morning. That doesn't make you more holy than others. Pray the prayer. God, I want to encounter you this week. For other people, you may be wanting to say, God, I want a fresh encounter with you this week. I want a fresh, you may have been walking with God for 50 plus years. The question is, do you have a fresh encounter with living God that's going to direct your life now over these coming 12 months? God, I want an encounter with you. Let's just close our eyes in this place this morning. Because just in this moment, 
You know, it doesn't have to start tomorrow morning. In this moment, I want the Holy Spirit just to be free to begin to speak into different situations in your life. Firstly, as we think about this fast, what is it that God is requiring of you? Don't waste time just spending so much time thinking about what is going, but what is it that you know you will miss leaving your life over the next seven days that will reduce passivity in your life? It may be food, it may be other things. What is it? What is the Holy Spirit pinpointing in your life today? But if you were to remove it, it would help you to position yourself for a place of encounter. What is it in your life you're believing for God to restore? Just right now, you don't have to pray out loud. Just in your heart. What is it you are believing for God to restore? Again, we're not blackmailing him this week. We're not twisting his arm. But we're positioning ourselves for God's answer. What area of your life is it that you are believing for restoration? Maybe in your health. It may be in your relationships. It may be employment. What is it? Overcoming shame and guilt. Restoring your past mistakes. Restoring your marriage. What is it that you are believing for restoration for over these seven days? What promises in your life are you believing to be fulfilled? As we position ourselves for encounter, what is it that you're so hungry to see, you're so desperate to see God do in your life or in the lives of others? And again, you're not fasting out of that desperation of trying to make God do anything. But as you fast and as you overcome the flesh, you're positioning yourself. What is it that you are believing and asking, God, would you just release that promise into my life? Would you fulfill that promise in my life? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a promise fulfilled is like a tree of life. Father, we just thank you for promises that are going to be fulfilled this week. For beginnings of new stories being written this week that are going to continue to be written over the coming year or two years, Lord. Thank you. Thank you in advance. I also want to pray this just right where you are in this moment if there's any area of passivity in your life I want us to have this moment where you can repent for that now again repent so often seems such a heavy word repentance is simply this a turning away a turning away from that passivity so in this moment in your heart just pray Father forgive me for that passivity Forgive me for when I've put other things before you. Not out of place of guilt or legalism, but just out of a place of desire. Lord, I, I'm overcoming that passivity. I'm repenting of that passivity. I'm turning my back on that passivity. I desire you more than other things. I desire you in my life. Father, all across this place, I thank you that heart for hearts that are turning to you. Lord, I thank you that there's no guilt or shame that you're pouring upon your people, but you respond to our repentance in this moment. As people say, enough of passivity, enough of lukewarm Christianity, enough of just going through the motions, not trying to earn anything. 
but growing a desire within our lives. God, I want more of you. I want more of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We remove passivity from our life. Lord, weariness, apathy towards you. Lord, we remove those things from our life. The enemy can't keep throwing that stuff at us anymore. The enemy can't keep us bound in that anymore. We will walk in a direction of expectation and faith and desire. And Father, I just want to thank you for everything that you're going to do this coming week. Lord, I thank you for for times when people may grow weary, Lord, that you're going to give them strength in this season, Lord. Whatever it is that they're removing from their life, Lord, I thank you that the appetite for those things will just diminish as an appetite for you rises up. Father, I thank you for miracles. Lord, we prophesy miracles. Lord, I can't wait to to hear stories of what you are doing this week and when we get together next Sunday morning, testimony upon testimony. Father, we raise our expectation and our faith for supernatural miracles over this coming week, Lord. Lord, I thank you for story upon story of what you are going to do, Lord, as we stand here together next week, Lord, and we say, look what the Lord has done for me. Look at this, look at that, look at this. Lord, I thank you for salvations taking place this week. Lord, I thank you for loved ones in our households being radically saved this week. Lord, I thank you for what's going to take place in our community this week. But Lord, as we focus in on you, supernaturally in the background of our lives in this community, this wider community of Lee Park, Lord, I thank you that spiritually things are going to shift, things are going to change. Lord, we forecast, just as there's been so much rain and today we love seeing the sunshine, Lord, we forecast better days not in natural weather but in spiritual climate of this community Lord that will manifest itself in changed lives thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you just begin to thank you all you need to say is thank you thank you thank you thank you you know a prayer I found myself praying a lot recently is Lord for what we're about to receive may we be truly grateful So often we do that with food. But how much more spiritually, spiritual nutrition, spiritual food. Lord, for what we are about to receive this coming week, we are truly grateful. We walk with expectation. We walk with faith, knowing that you are true and faithful to every single one of your promises. Lord, we want to encounter you. Father, I thank you for encounters taking place all week long. Lord, as people get up in the morning, as people go to bed, Lord, as people drive to work, Lord, we we don't want to limit you to where and when, God. You're just going to be encountering people. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you are going to do over these next seven days. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just stand to your feet? I just want to pray blessing upon you as we leave this morning Father I thank you for this family family church haven't Lord I thank you for each and every single individual 
each and every single household, Lord. Lord, I thank you for them, whether they were here on day one of us planting, Lord, or whether they've just turned up in the last few weeks. Lord, I thank you that you have knitted us together as a family for this time, for such a time as this in this community. And Lord, I thank you for what's taking, going to take place individually in our lives. It's going to bear incredible fruit as a whole family. Lord, I thank you for what you are leading us into this year. Father of God, we just thank you. And we just humble ourselves before you today, Lord. And we say, use us as a church community, however you wish over these coming 12 months. For your glory, we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you in advance for the presence and those times of encountering you that we're going to experience and continue to experience together and individually. But Father, thank you that it will be for your glory that miracle upon miracle will take place. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's get ready for all God's going to do over this time. And um, stick around and have a great week. God bless you all.